really difficult to go into any new decision with the survivalist mindset. It kind of puts your brain into panic mode around everything that happens. Like if I didn't win a client, I would like panic. The mindset around having this really serve me as a person is, is a lot more helpful than the thought that like, if I don't do really good, I'm going to lose all my money and die. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of Webflow, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the greatest failures behind the greatest Webflowers, because success often comes after learning from many failures. I'm your host, Jack, a failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Casey Catalbus. I first came across Casey because she made a YouTube video titled, I made Tinder, but just for fish in Webflow. After watching this video, Casey's highly functional, ruthlessly efficient tech bro vibe made me want to watch more videos like turning a scroll bar into a baguette, because why not? But genuinely serious, Casey has put a lot of interesting content on her YouTube channel about building and testing different things with Webflow. So I really recommend checking that out. And after three years of freelancing, Casey had her best year yet in 2022. Her business, Art Size Studio, had 22 projects and Casey got to the semi-finals of the Speed Build Challenge at the Webflow Conference. 2023 looks even brighter. So embrace and learn from failure in episode 31 of Webflow with Casey Gitalbus. Casey, welcome to the Webflow podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Jack. It is an honor to have you here. Now, you're the first uh, Webflower that I've interviewed who had a previous career as a planetarium educator. Yeah. Tell, tell, <laughs> tell us the story. Yeah, I guess not a lot of other people come from that career path. Yeah, so I have always been a huge astronomy fan, hobbyist, was really into it in high school when I moved to Nashville, which is where I am now. I got involved with the local like astronomy community and found some really cool mentors there since I was still at college. And one of them had just left her job as a planetarium educator. And she was like, I think you'd be really good for this. And I was, you know, I was like 20 at the time. I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, ended up getting the job. It was such a good fit. Um, it was right at the time of there was a huge solar eclipse here in the US. So got to deal with like a ton of people, a ton of experience, just uh, educating and developing programming. Um, it's also sort of where I learned JavaScript, because there was a lot of that needed to run the programs. So yeah, it was really just the coolest job ever. And I got to talk to people every day about like how beautiful and wonderful outer space is. Yeah, I really cherish that time. It's such an interesting kind of start to um like working life though right? i can't imagine there's that many people who have that kind of a start where they're basically kind of guiding the public through a very difficult topic to explain and i imagine maybe that helped you with webflow as well and we talked just before recording about the importance of having soft skills as a webflower to guide your client through a process i mean do you think that job actually really helped you when it came to uh, webflowers yeah, I think, you know, the primary function of that job was educator. And something I find a lot in working with clients is that your job is, 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 you know, first to make and design a website, but a lot of your job is also to like, figure out their story and understand another person. And also, you know, to figure out how do I help this person understand more about my perspective and how I'm approaching this situation. So in a lot of ways, it's also an education role, but sort of in a different context. 
yeah i think it's it's a very undervalued skill set that's or at least it's not talked about enough i think in the webflow space about how soft skills are really important so i can imagine that was really really helpful and then you also i went way back in time to your youtube music career <laughs> and i'm just going to read you some titles we've got getting out i'm scared mm-hmm. of everything i don't like you so i wrote you a song and space rangers tell us a little bit about oh your God. relationship with music you really dug deep there I, mean, yeah. I went I that's went. like circa what 2015 <laughs> yeah i mean 10 10 years ago yeah, yeah. So, yeah um yeah so before web development or web design or any or even uh planetarium stuff i've always been a songwriter um which was something i started when i was very very young um when i was quite young i didn't have a ton of friends um but youtube was becoming a thing uh and I was in the position where I had a video camera and a lot of people I liked on the internet wrote songs and posted them on the internet. So I started doing that too and made a lot of friends um, and also just really fell in love with songwriting and fell in love with like taking my silly little experiences as a 16-year-old girl and (laughs) trying to like make sense of them in the world. But found a lot of like really beautiful connections online and found the importance of online community and like uh, you know, the internet is, you know, occasionally, most of the time, a, a dumpster fire, but it really helped me understand that, like, oh, there are really some good parts of of being here and making connections online. So that was really valuable and also just kind of birthed my love of, of music and songwriting and um, just writing for others. And I think the Webflow community is a lot like maybe the early YouTube community. Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking about yeah. that with somebody it does feel very like organically human excitement on the internet about something very new and that feels very like early YouTube to me too yeah and I think the way that you can message people on Twitter say in the Webflow community and just say hey can I have a call with you like could I have a coffee with you just to pick your brains about how you've got to where you are is the type of thing that I'd imagine in the very early YouTube days you know there's not necessarily that many people commenting on your videos and you might see the same name pop up and then you know, you might message them and say, hey, thanks for making my videos. And that was, I can imagine that type of thing maybe kind of prepped your way into the Webflow world quite well. Yeah, um, it was something that I was very excited about when I first entered this community. Um, A lot of people have said this about Webflow, but like the Webflow community feels very different than like any other like community built around a software. Like it's very encouraging and very like, active and the connections there are are very just like organic and true and helpful um which is just very rare i think (laughs) online these days especially professionally um to see that i guess it's kind of like um i think mason poe talked about this in the episode that i did with him but a rising tide lifts all the boats so yeah imagining that you know the more webflowers introduce webflow to other clients the more generally people will be looking for Webflow developers and it kind of helps everyone. So it makes sense for, you know, more experienced people in the field to, to help others develop websites and develop websites with better systems, et cetera. So I think it's, I think it's a really, really powerful concept. And so speaking of Webflow, how did you go from planetarium educator to Webflower? But also I'm interested in your YouTube Webflow career, or if that's the right word as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so my transition from 
uh, Planetarium to Webflow was like very rocky and is one of the, the failures I passed your way today when I got into it. Um, but I was first interested in it um, because I actually minored in web development in, in college. Um, so I did have like sort of like a little bit of technical background. I'd taken like a handful of classes about it, um, about both design and development. So I like had a little bit of background, but at the middle of 2020 on my birthday was like the day the pandemic like shut everything down and it just didn't really seem like I was going to go back um, in the months that followed. One, just because of like museums weren't really going to be a place to, to be for a long time with everything surrounding the pandemic. And then two, like a lot of the people I had like really grown to love working with there had left um, and it just seemed like the right time to move on. Um, so I, I was just like, you know, flailing around for a little bit, um, took a job at a call center, which I really was just like a bad moment in my life. And I just like looked up and I was like, I need to do, I need to do something different right now. So I just started freelancing pretty much out of desperation, but really sort of fell in love with design and development on web and just working directly with clients and having that flexibility and that freedom. Webflow came a little bit later, but that's sort of how it all started. Let's let's get into the failures now because I feel like, you know, you've you've um, started talking about this. Your last job before freelancing, then you you were working in this call center, so you were kind of freelancing alongside this call center job. Is if I have understood that correctly? No. So I honestly freelancing had never even crossed my mind. Um, I have always. From a really young age, one of those people who's like always had a job, even when I didn't really need a job and I was like pretty financially secure. Um, I've just like always felt some sort of insecurity around money and some sort of insecurity around like, oh, I need to be working. So I've had like a lot of different jobs. And so when I left work at the planetarium, I was like, I need a new job immediately. Uh, even though it was like 2020 and nobody had a job. I was like, I need a new job immediately. And a very large phone company was hiring basically tech support assistants at a call center here. And it was remote. And I was like, this is great. And the money wasn't so bad. Um, except like I, my small brain was like, oh, it's a call center. So it's like very grueling work. And it was also so isolating because there were so many of us and training was good because we were in a group but as soon as we were done it was like you're on your own so that really only lasted six weeks and I was like extremely depressed by the end of it and I was like I don't know what I'm doing with my life I hate everything this is so hard um and luckily for me I was I uh was with um my partner who I'm still with and he's like you don't have to do this job you have like an emergency fund you're gonna be okay if you leave and figure out something else so yeah I remember I had one really really bad call with uh somebody who just you know didn't know how to turn their phone on and off this probably wasn't like good practice but like after two hours the call dropped and I just like didn't call them back and went on a walk outside um and decided to quit so quit the next week and started looking into freelancing. And that's where you started taking Webflow more seriously then? Yeah, that's where I just 
started to think about like freelancing. Um, I started Mm -hmm. learning WordPress initially. So that's what I was sort of looking at other people had done and were doing, you know, pretty well for themselves with. And that's what I started to learn. Like right after I quit, I was just looking at how people built websites and how people made a living off of that. So did you find that, you know, coming from learning WordPress and then I assume you found Webflow after that was, I mean, a lot of people have used WordPress before using Webflow. And I think it's actually quite good training because, you, you know, it's it's slightly harder maybe to, to use and it's not necessarily as intuitive. So was that was that kind of helpful to, to learn before in a strange way? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I learned WordPress. And it wasn't until about a year later that I took up Webflow. But yeah, WordPress was just so frustrating for me. Like it was helpful for me to like learn systems and learn sort of how everything worked together. Also at the time, I was very much like working alongside agencies and sort of what I like to call like apprenticing in a way, like learning the trade, like learning from them, like how all of this worked together, how to work with clients, how to price, Mm. how to like just form a process. Um, But everything was in WordPress. So it was like 10 times more complicated to like figure out which tools are we going to use for each little thing. Um, So when I found Webflow a year later, I was like, I'm glad I have this experience, but I'm also like happy to not deal with WordPress anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think it was really helpful to have that first experience be with a different tool. So there's two things that you said there that I think are really interesting. One, you quit your job with the knowledge that you had an emergency fund, because I think a lot of people, they're like, right, I'm just going to go cold turkey, quit my job, and I'm just going to try freelancing. And then they realize that it's actually far harder than they thought. You had an emergency fund and you were freelancing alongside people um, that knew what they were doing in the space, not just from a technical perspective, but they'd work with clients they had a process that you could learn from. And so you weren't just freelancing like, oh, what am I doing the whole time? Like you were kind of like, I don't know what to do. I can ask someone who knows more than me. Is that how it worked? Yeah, and it would really be the way I recommend to do it. I know a lot of people are scared to take the leap into freelancing, but I think the best thing you can do is one, have an emergency fund and feel like you have like very stable financial footing because the first the first year is very hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially for me, it was it was very hard that first year, um, and I I didn't make a ton of money. Luckily, I like my rent was very low. I had like a support network of people around me to 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 help out and support. But yeah, it really, really helped me mentally to know that I had that emergency fund in place, which for me was like three months of of living expenses. If it was going really poorly, just to know that like I had that safety net. Definitely. And I think just the phrase, take the leap into freelancing, in my head is slightly problematic because a lot of people think, right, I'm either full-time employed or I'm a freelancer. And you know, there is a hybrid model where you can go to part-time work, And then when you can't manage freelancing and part-time work, then you can go full-time. But it's like, I think take a leap, take the leap to freelancing or whatever is, uh, take the baby steps to freelancing. I think less catchy, but maybe is uh, to consider. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, it's definitely not like the sexier option to like work 
part-time and then work part-time on the side but like it will help you a lot more emotionally to like have the clientele you're building up and then also just have stable income for a while because like that really is the hard thing about freelancing is like cash flow can be spotty and you have to be prepared for that mentally and just like put put in systems for that too in your business so and I was actually speaking to a friend this guy called Greg Faulkner and he I hope he doesn't mind me saying his name. I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> but he he worked on Fiverr to start with when he started doing Webflow, which a lot of people have said, Fiverr's terrible, etc. And I think to earn a living wage just doing Fiverr jobs isn't necessarily that easy. But what he said was, although the jobs that he did initially were really badly paid, you know, he was doing a website for $200 and whatever, what he did was he managed to build a network of clients which is kind of like a flywheel effect where they knew people, they recommended him, you know, they kept coming back to him for work. He grew and they grew as clients and they paid him more as he got more and more experience. So I just think that's quite important to highlight learning from your story as well, that you don't need to either be full-time employed and just quit to freelance just because you've seen people talk about how easy it is to get a 10k project on Twitter I mean like I do want to like caveat this with that I did do that like I did quit a job without anything else um but it was a different situation yeah like, I mean you don't do like, that but I'm different so <laughs> yeah I just, but, I, yeah. like just to be clear fully transparent as well I I did exactly the same thing as you yeah. I quit I quit a job, tried to freelance, went back to a full-time job because I found freelancing, it didn't support, you know, I couldn't do my life. I didn't have enough clients. I didn't have any experience. And I also felt at the time that that was kind of shameful. Like I'd failed. Like I was a terrible freelancer. Like who am I to think I can freelance and stuff? But I think looking back, it was actually very humbling and really, really helpful to realize that freelancing is not necessarily as easy as um, tech bros say it is on Twitter, etc. Tell me about failure number two then. Spending the first year working alone. Sure. Um, So my first year of freelancing, I think I felt a lot of desperation around freelancing. Um, I went into it with very much this, like, I, I just need to do this to make money. Like, I just need to, like, get to a place where I can survive. Um, And there was a lot of shame built into that, too, I think. Um, I think a large part of that was, you know, we were in the middle of the pandemic, everybody is struggling, everybody's having a hard time. I, like, didn't want to talk to people about hard things, which is, I think, just part of my personality at the time. I was like, I don't want to address this with other people. So I didn't tell a ton of people just like in my social circle that I was freelancing, um, at least not long term, because I didn't know if it was going to be long term at the time. Um, So I didn't make a ton of friends. I didn't like network very much. I I found a lot of my clients through Upwork at the time too, just like to get started, which was, I know some people don't like to use it, but it was really helpful for me getting started. And while I was freelancing, like many of my other friends, like from college also started freelancing and I just didn't talk to them about it because I felt so much shame around it. And looking back, I'm not sure why I did um, 
because it's nothing to like be ashamed of, but I think I just felt so much internal pressure to to do it and to do it on my own um, that I didn't like account for the fact that like other people would want to help me and would be very helpful to like just like have a human connection with at the time. So my first year was very lonely. Um, and even though I was like really enjoying the flexibility and really enjoying learning, I felt so much sadness and loneliness around freelancing and around working independently. So after the year was over and I was like, oh, I do really like freelancing, but I need friends because this is very tough. And that's sort of when I found Webflow, which was like best friend community professionally ever. So I was really grateful for all of that aligning at the same time. Do you think there was a sense of imposter syndrome um, when you first started that meant you you thought, oh, well, I'm not good enough to even say that I'm a freelancer. So, and I'm not getting paid enough to feel valuable enough to talk about this or kind of let, can we explore that? Yeah, I think that probably was it. Like, because I did have a little bit of background in web dev, but I didn't feel like a freelancer. I think so much of my identity was still tied to education and to, um, you know, planetarium life, because that was such a huge part of my identity for a long time that it was difficult for me to like tell people I was doing something different, which is just one of those things where like you probably shouldn't define your identity by your job. Um, but it was especially hard for me in that moment too, because like I was doing something totally different than what I had wanted to do forever. Um, so yeah, there definitely was some imposter syndrome there and also just like uneasiness with what I was doing. Like I wasn't very sure of myself at all at the time. And it took a while for me to feel like I had footing again. Maybe there was also a little bit of grief almost that you'd lost that planetarium educator part of your life. And you were like, I don't want to tell other people that I've that I've left that and I'm scared to say that I've left that maybe. Yeah, no, that too. Like, I honestly haven't thought about that time a lot because it was like such an like a weird time for me. But I think that that is true. Like there was a lot of grief around losing that job, around losing that community. And there was just like a lot of grief at that time in general. Like I like missed people I didn't see people at that time um and to like lose a career path also just felt very sad to me and very sad to like move on to something new um so yeah you're totally right do you feel then that even though that you know you're still working from behind a computer and you might be alone um a lot of the time you're not lonely because of the Webflow community that's so active on on Twitter and in forums and stuff. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that way. One thing that I sort of dove more into after realizing all of this was like, oh, I need to like feel secure in myself apart from like work, apart from like what I am able to do professionally. So that was part of it. And then the other part of it was like, yeah, just building connection into my day. Um, currently I meet with two other freelancers once a week to just go over like accountability stuff and also just chat over coffee, which is really helpful to have both like the consistency of like somebody you see every single week, um, and are just like 
talking about goals with every single week. So that's been really helpful. And then also just to like be in the Webflow's community on Twitter and stuff. And I know you asked about YouTube. I didn't really get into that. Um, but YouTube just felt like a natural thing for me to do because I had done it so much as like part of my life for so long. Um, and I saw that it was really helpful for other people to do. And I also saw this gap where I was like, there aren't a ton of one women doing Webflow tutorials and two people doing this casually um, and not like super edited bro this is the tutorial for your business life um and i just wanted to bring it down bring it down in that space a little bit and make it fun so having that too because i've always known youtube is a great place to like connect with people so that is another part of me reaching reaching back out yeah i think your youtube channel is more like go to a coffee shop and do a bit of webflow with casey more than <laughs> If I may say, uh, like, that's kind of how I feel when I watch your videos in comparison to a lot of Webflow content that's, that's already out there. So I think, yeah. yeah, it's really cool that you've kind of claimed that part of you uh, in the digital space. And speaking of, I think your studio redesign, which for anyone that hasn't checked it out, Casey's got a new website now. She launched it, was it last week? It was last week. Yeah, I last think. Week. And... <laughs> I think it's really cool how you have infused your personality into the website so deeply, because I think a lot of people who start in the Webflow space, including myself, look at what other people are doing and you say, I want a bit of that. That is what I'm going to do. And you actually lose, you know, who you are and how your personality and your tone of voice and all of those things that I think actually are so important to um, attract the right people into your life and the, attract the right clients into your work. So can you tell us a little bit about how you managed to kind of reclaim your space identity and and that part of you and the science part and obviously the name ArtSci? And can you tell us a little bit about that process coming together? Yeah, I would love to. So first, I kind of want to say that it does take a while to like figure all this out and that it's like, okay to borrow other people's things for a while until you figure your stuff out like that's what I think about the artistic processes a lot right like we like paint starry night and try to like copy that and then we paint like you know another thing and try to copy that and it takes a while like as an artist to like develop your own style and to like figure out like oh what speaks to me um and I've really found the same thing in freelancing and in a design and in a process and like crafting that part of your life too. So with the redesign, I had felt for a while that I, one, had sort of outgrown the name Casey Cat Creative, mostly because I really felt for the past six months that I wanted to separate like my name from my business. For some people, that's great. Um, but I have already had like a musical career with my name and also like a scientific career with my name. And I also didn't want to like add this onto my name, Casey Catalbus, um, because when you Google me, the first thing you find is my music. And I just really wanted my professional life to stand on its own um, and just like web design and stuff to stand on its own. So I've known for a while that I wanted to redesign and rename specifically Um and I was actually I was actually at State of Flow, um, the conference in Florida, when we were all talking about goals. 
And I knew that I really had this idea around art and science. And I see a lot of designers and developers in that space, specifically Webflow people too, who are very like art oriented, but are very like also tech and STEM oriented. And I knew that that's like a place I want to stay coming from an art background, coming from my planetarium background and my science background. Um, my partner is a scientist. I'm an artist. I like love that world, like those people meeting together. Um, so I was like walking home and I was like, art sci sounds cool. And then I was like, artsy, art sci, it'll be fine either way. Um, so that was the idea behind the name. And then the visual brand really came out of wanting to still feel like a professional business. I wanted to like move forward as like modern. So the type was something I really took a lot of time to look at, um, but I wanted it to feel like funky and silly too. Um, so I really wanted the type to speak to sort of my personality of being like, I know what I'm doing, but I'm going to have a good time doing it. And then incorporating a lot of like space, beauty, imagery into the website too. Um, so that's kind of where the brand design came from. Tell me about failure number three having a survive mindset rather than a growth mindset so this is sort of tied into number two but besides just being lonely at the first year um i wasn't really invested in freelancing i was very invested in like making money i was very invested in like getting by and I think a lot of that comes from my mindset around freelancing to begin with. So I'm in Nashville. There are a lot of like artists and songwriters here and people who are really trying to make a living on art. And a lot of them are freelancers too, but the way they sort of treat freelancing and so the way I had always imagined freelancing is like you just do it to make enough money so that you can do the stuff you actually want to do. And some as somebody who's also an artist, I like kind of gave it that tone at the beginning um, in the midst of everything else too. And I was like, you know, I just need to, to get by. And because of that, I didn't invest in a lot of things that could have helped me. Um, I didn't invest in, as much into like mentorship. I didn't invest into processes. I didn't invest into like just growing my network all things that would have been really, really helpful in that first year. And I sort of had to catch up to as I kind of grew a lot more in my my second year. But I think like if you're going to start out freelancing, you have to do it with like the intention that you want to make it work and want to like have it grow you as a professional, as a person, as like a career. Part of that can be exploratory too, but I think it's really difficult to go into any new decision with the survivalist mindset because it, it kind of puts your brain into panic mode around everything that happens. Like if I didn't win a client, I would like panic. If I like did something really bad, I would, I was so stressed. Um, but going into freelancing, I think with just the mindset around having this really serve me as a person and that like you know all my failures in this are also going to serve me as a person is is a lot more helpful than going in with the thought that like if I don't do really good I'm going to 
lose all my money and die. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I think coming out of that first year of freelancing, I really like took that to heart, especially I was like, I, I really want to do this for a long time and just started to more position myself to like, I feel a lot more open to learning from other people and feel a lot more open to treating this like a business rather than just a side thing. Okay, lots of interesting things you just said there. So acting like the professional you want to be, I think is is quite an important point. If you want to be a webflower, even at the start when maybe you're not, maybe you don't have the skill set yet or the experience, if you if you're serious about it, then yeah, it, it helps to invest in yourself. But I think that's a really important point. And then coming on from that, you talked about your attitude to failures where you looked at it like the failures are going to serve me rather than kind of going half-assed at it and being like well you know I kind of went half-assed so who cares right like it's not really that important what you're saying is I want to learn from the failures that I do and I'm going to go two-footed tackle into this and I'm going to mess up but I'm going to commit and learn from there and iterate and treat it like a job even though it wasn't yet at that time is that fair? Yeah, I, I definitely think that's sort of the right idea. Um, like treating, taking yourself a little more seriously. Like even if you're a beginner, like you're, you're everybody is going to know you're a beginner and that's okay. And like having just that understanding that you're probably going to feel like an imposter and like you are going to make mistakes, but that is like, okay we know. <laughs> um, and that's sort of something when I'm like talking to new freelancers too, they're, they're like always scared that, oh, I'm going to really, I really don't want to mess this up. Like, but like, I think if you're transparent, like that with yourself and with your clients that like, I'm new, I'm learning and I am going to do absolutely the best I can. That's a very honest thing to do. And it's like a very helpful thing to like do with yourself and do with like your clients at the beginning. And it really helps you build that experience and that confidence, which is something just I didn't have at the beginning. I had like absolutely no confidence in my abilities <laughs> just as a person. Uh, so just like building that confidence in yourself is, is huge. So if someone's listening now that says, I hear what you're saying, but how do I build confidence in myself how do I change my mindset from a survival mindset to a growth mindset I'm going to put you on the spot with a very difficult question here but how you're like love it just listening to the audio of this is like looking at me like please don't answer that oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, do you, do no you yeah practical advice for anyone that's like in maybe a survival mindset mode where they're like yeah like I'd like to do Webflow, but I'm not sure if I really want to commit and I don't want to invest in myself. Everything looks like a cost, even though it might help me in the future. And I'm, Do you see what I mean? How do you kind of... Yeah. I think just to speak to like, you know, the theme of this podcast, like you really need to like to build confidence. You need to go in knowing that you're going to mess up and having that acceptance to know that you will have like hard times and it will be difficult but being able to tell yourself that you're going to be okay is huge. Um, and that's sort of the thing that really helped me as I kind of switched this mindset was telling myself, like, I'm going to mess up, but but I will be okay. And I'm going to get better from this. And taking everything in stride and being like, 
this didn't go well, but I, what can I learn from this? I think that is something that really built my confidence and helped me in every situation where I was like, I'm not sure if I belong here. Taking a step back and being like, why do I feel that way? What can I learn from this? Why am I feeling really not confident right now? And being able to like separate yourself in a way from all your, your bad thoughts and all your like, uh, just like the thoughts that discount yourself, um, being able to, to step back and like just examine it from a different point of view and come back and then tell yourself like, you don't need to feel that way. Like you're awesome was helpful. So what is your next failure going to be? Mm, Great question. Um, it could be anything really. Um, I think the next step for me that's going to be interesting is like, I'm very interested in like scaling and working with a team a a little bit more and just figuring that out. I know there's going to be a lot more bumps in the road. I've, I've done it a little bit before, but it's something I want to like pursue more because I have recognized a lot more that there are things that I am not good at and other people are. Um, and that will probably be the next one is figuring out how to to collaborate with others as part of my own business um, and, and hiring and that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast and thanks to Casey for coming on it. The part of the podcast I really want to highlight here is adopting a professional mentality, even when you're not yet professional. I think when we start learning Webflow, a lot of us feel a little bit like, "Mm, I'm not really too sure if this career is for me or not, so I'm not really going to try. But ultimately, if you don't take learning Webflow seriously, then clients aren't going to take you seriously and pay you appropriately for the jobs that you're asking them to pay for. So having a mindset that you actually commit to becoming a Webflower, even when you're not actually yet in that profession is really, really important to set yourself up for success. Naturally, you will make mistakes moving forward, but you're never ever gonna be professional Webflower or be a full-time freelancer without putting some boundaries in place and holding yourself up to a high standard. Next episode, I will be interviewing Sara Brunettini, who is an Italian Webflower based in London really really excited to talk to her about her failures have a great week web playlist